Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today we're going to be cracking open the post bag once again to listen and respond to some of your lovely voicemails. And first up, we have a trio of voicemails from Randy Nichols over at the Biggest Geekers podcast. If you've not listened to that, I highly recommend you check it out. So, take it away, Randy. Hey, John, it's Randy from Biggest Geekers. Um, listen to your podcast. Pod- podcast. <laughs> what is that? Podcast. Uh, on the episode on tips for staying in character. And I had to pause it because when you said uh, change the names in Zoom to the character names, I was like, holy crap. So, I'm doing Zoom for the first time this coming weekend uh, with my friend. Um, I think it's probably going to be a little less mappy and move minis around, and we're just going to stay in character and roll dice and kill things. But anyway, uh, good tip. Uh, Enjoying the show. We're going to get back to it. I hope you guys had a good holiday. Bye. Hey there, Randy. Thank you very much for calling in. I'm glad you found the five tips for staying in character useful. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, it's just a very simple thing. I mean, I've often heard lots of people saying to me, you know, you should always speak to like the character rather than the player to try and keep everyone in character and i've got a terrible memory so what i used to do when i used to run more in-person games is i'd have like a little index card or a piece of paper with the character names written on to remind me yeah absolutely and another good tip for that is if you're at a con game where you don't know your players yeah you go around you write everybody's name and everybody's character name and write it in the order that they're sitting just to make it that little bit easier for yourself again I'll tell you what i've also done at cons it's like say get like a little index card fold it in half so it makes like a little stand then you put the character name on both sides so the player mm-hmm. can see it and the gem can see it as well but um after i started getting more into online gaming i was like it doesn't make any sense that i'm i'm still using a piece of paper when i'm literally looking at images of the people on screen with their names under it and i can change the names so i was like i'll just change it to the character names and that'll make it nice and easy and there is nothing wrong with using zoom or whatever your video conferencing app of choice is to just play a game without using roll 20 or foundry or any of this these other like shenanigans went back when google um, hangouts was a thing i ran no end of those games where it was literally just the players and me talking and rolling a few dice and that worked absolutely great. It was only when I went into sort of like D&D and other stuff like that where there's a bit more of a tactical edge that I started bringing in the maps. But again, they're not really 100% necessary. So let's see what else Randy's got to say. Hey, John and Hannah. This is Randy um, from Biggest Geekus. Anyway, uh liked your most recent podcast about setting up uh, random encounter tables. I do wonder, though, John, do you ever, uh, like, have an animal or a creature, and then when they encounter it, it's not a fight. Like, I've even had, like, a bear. They've encountered a massive bear, and maybe he's a maybe he's a young bear, and he's a male, and he's on his own, and if they don't attack him, he just kind of looks at him and, you know, mills about and leaves. Um, I really want to run more games that have random encounter tables. It's been years. I'm kind of leaning. If you've listened to Vegas Geek, it's we're leaning toward old school. And, but mostly, I'm like Hannah. I tend to run plotted campaigns. But I'm going to try to get away from that to challenge myself. Keep up the good work, and uh, you guys take care. Thanks again, Randy. I'm glad you enjoyed the stuff about random encounters. And I think you make a very important point there, that not all random encounters need to necessarily mm-hmm. be a combat. 
and in fact in my game because it's a sort of survival sort of wilderness based game a lot of the encounters are with like normal animals rather than like monsters and in inverted commas so i don't sort of set up what that encounter is going to be it's just there is an animal in the vicinity how the players deal with it is entirely up to them so they've come across a number of animals and we use the normal like roll to see who's surprised roll to see how far the, the animal is away or the encounter is away and there's been a few times i've seen animals and they're like oh there's a bear over there foraging for food let's just give them a bit of a wide berth and leave them alone and if they do that and like the bear's not spotted them or like most animals it's like yeah i'm really not going to charge those like heavily armed people they just go on their way they maybe spot a few details about the animal they get to find out a bit about the flora and fauna of their area but there's no combat and we've had this a number of times where another one we had was where a player encountered a a group of wolves and i rolled to see how many appeared and there was one of them and the player and this wolf were both surprised at the same time so they're sort of facing off against each other and the wolf obviously being used to having a pack with it was just like now nah, i'm not going to risk it and just like turn around and went off into the forest looking for something easier to eat and i think that's the joy of random encounters you get sort of like odd moments like that but i think the mistake some people make is they assume that all random encounters must be combat and i don't think that's really the goal of them the goal is just sort of say here's something which you can interact with and how the players interact with it and how the npcs respond then forms the crux of the encounter it doesn't necessarily have to be combat. Hey, John, this is Randy from Biggest Geekus. Um, Joe and I, uh, Biggest Geekus, we just did uh, an episode 20 titled Is It OSR? It was pretty extemporaneous, not well planned, but it was very enjoyable, where we kind of mused and meandered and wondered about what makes games OSR, what makes players OSR players. Um, we're old school gamers, but you know, you've heard our podcast. We're not really into the OSR fully, or at least not yet. I would love to get your opinion on that. Uh, if you would be willing to just take a few minutes and listen to that episode, episode 20 it's called is it osr i would really appreciate your comments since you seem to be kind of a fan of that uh, anyway you and hannah keep up the good work we'll talk to you later thanks again randy and uh i, I believe if you check your voicemail there may be one or two or more yeah this is from john there's a few there's a few more than one or two cooks biggest geeks is on anchor and you can only leave like mm-hmm. a 30 second message on anchor so I started off sort of going like, oh, I'll just leave a quick message. And I was like, oh, I've not really answered some of the things they sort of mentioned in the episode. <laughs> so I ended up leaving about 10 or 15 like <laughs> messages, which obviously like Randy, feel free to use or not as you see fit on Biggest Geekers. But I really did enjoy listening to that episode <laughs> you recommended. And if people haven't checked that out, I would highly recommend going and listening to it. I mean, I, I personally tend to get... A little bit sort of weary of the whole like what is OSR because I've seen so many iterations of that sort of conversation going on and I don't think it's ever going to be fully resolved but I thought it was very interesting listening to the Biggest Geekers episode to hear some people who are sort of interested in the OSR but they're not really deeply involved in it sort of giving that giving like an outsider's like fresh perspective really and I don't say outsider in a bad way I just mean as you've said yourself that you're not fully sort of engaged with the OSR stuff yet, Randy. And it's always interesting to like hear a bit of a fresh view rather than the same old stuff being rolled out again and again. So thank you very much for that. And I hope you don't find my immense amount of replies too onerous to listen to. <laughs> and next up, we have a voicemail from Goblin's Henchman. 
Hi John. Hi Hannah. It's Goblin Senshman here. So in your last episode, you were, you were talking about uh, in jokes in D and D, and if anyone had a few, uh, I'm sure everyone has a few of these knocking about. Um, but uh, two of these occurred in my um, actual play um, of Carapace, episode 73. So I have a, a friend I've known since 1985, and we've been gaming uh, on and off ever since. Anyway, two of these gags popped up in the actual play. Uh, the first one at seven minutes, which was um, I draw my sword, and the second one occurred at about 28 minutes where um, the playtester asked if there was a two-headed black dragon in the room um, and basically these these sort of came up came about that because um, the first one was whenever I was doing a, a wilderness kind of travel sequence I'd roll dice and when I stopped rolling the dice and looked up and said so everyone would say I draw my sword because they knew they triggered a, a random encounter and the second was uh, relating to um, a dungeon I was running where the players had entered or the characters had entered a room and it was a huge room full of treasure you know heaps of gold, magic items, and I told this to the players, and they were mentally can't counting the gold and sharing out the treasure. And while they were doing this, I then casually dropped into the conversation, oh yeah, by the way, there's a two-headed black dragon on a dais. And it was a bit of a yoik moment, <laughs> but we've got to laugh. Anyway, cheers, good fun. Cheers, Goblin Sentiment. Really glad you enjoyed that episode. I know John recorded it while I was at work, so I wasn't able to add any of my in-jokes in. So... In exchange for yours, I suppose I'll throw you a couple. Yeah, go for it. I'll throw a few of yours in. So, in joke in the Star Trek game, they are in an Akira-class starship. And it has Canada-class shuttles. And if you remember the animated movie from the 80s, real old-school manga... There's a scene in it of two characters going, Akira! Canada! Akira! Which I assume is why they have Canada-class shuttles. So all the shuttles in my game were named after various anime characters, which resulted in uh, things like characters pulling up at a uh, space station and saying, this is the... This is the Federation shuttle Pikachu approaching, etc. Other in-joke from the LARP that we used to go to and one that will be recognised by people that used to read Knights of the Dinner Table. John and I actually fought a gazebo. One day... I believe it's 2008. Yeah, a bit about that, yeah. Yeah, one of the um, traders' tents took off at the LARP event and began to roll across the field towards a combat. I should point out this was due to like ridiculously heavy winds that just got under the tent and lifted it up. Oh, it was insane windy, that event. Yeah, we lost a load of tents from our group. It was just amazing to see how everyone on that field stopped, turned and fought the gazebo just like the guy from the Knights of the Dinner Table cartoon. And then we stopped and went, damn it, we're getting no XP for this. That's right. And we didn't. (laughs) More's the pity. Hope you enjoyed those. Have we got more post? We have indeed, so let's go on to our next call. And thank you very much for your call in Goblin's Engine. 
And finally, we have a couple of voicemails from Joe over at the Hind Sightless podcast. So let's see what Joe's got to say. Yo, what's up, Hannah and John? Awesome episode on staying in character and just really solid advice for online play in general. That middle break that you guys talk about, that I, it's so important, I think, for online gaming. And it's it's I was not familiar with it at all before this pandemic because before I did all my gaming around an actual table, I I don't I really hadn't done any online gaming before this started. So back then when we were around a real table, you could just get up, grab something to drink, go to the bathroom, whatever, and you'd still kind of be a part of the game. You could still holler stuff from the kitchen, the way my house is set up and everything. And so yeah, just getting to know this middle break has been really interesting and I like it. I like for what the two of you talked about, it's a way to catch up during the game. It's pretty cool. Anyway, that's it. Peace out. Hey Joe, glad you enjoyed the episode. And yeah, I think having a break and having a little bit of sort of scheduled time to like be social and sort of catch up with people in your gaming group is really important, especially at the minute, you know, when we can't see each other in person as we'd like. And I've got to say that although most of my games are sort of run online nowadays, just so I don't live in a very big town with lots of gamers, but um, I'm so grateful for the fact we've got this technology now. And if there's ever a sort of time period when we need like a welcome distraction, some way to unwind and help just have fun with our friends, no matter how far distant they might be geographically, then this is the time for that. So I'm really grateful we have the technology to do that. And we're not all just like sat on our own at home, so not mm-hmm. able to communicate at all. And I know it's it's not the same as gaming in person yeah, or anything. I, I do really miss having some mates around, rolling some dice, but it's what we've got to do, isn't it? And it is yeah. great to have the technology to do it. Uh, and whilst I'm not one of these people who say, like, oh, we're in-person gaming superior to online gaming or vice versa, because I think they're both valid forms of gaming. They're just quite mm-hmm. different in some ways, but very similar in others. I am very thankful for the fact that with the technology we have nowadays, we can actually do this. Mm. And like I say, with everything going on at the minute and like people not being able to stay in touch with each other as much, if we didn't have this technology, not only would we not be able to game, we wouldn't be able to stay in touch with people, we wouldn't be able to find out how our loved ones are doing and things like that. So I'm really thankful for the fact that we have that. Hey, Hannah. Hey, John. It's been happening a lot lately. I'm just sitting here prepping for a game, doing some world building, listening to some awesome podcasts. Someone starts talking about a monster, and I'm like, huh, let's see if Pathfinder has it. Yep. (laughs) So far, it's 100%. So I looked up the Cat Lord, and it's pretty much the same thing. Caster level 19 with a bunch of crazy spell-like abilities. I did notice, though, that it's based on... Uh, an animal lord template that they applied to a panther. So Pathfinder has a bunch, a bunch of different templates, and they do have an animal lord one that you can apply to whatever type of animal, and it really just turns them into a near deity. Deity? Whatever. Anyway, uh, awesome, super fun episode. I would love, love an episode all about cats. Peace out. Thanks again, Joe. Glad you enjoyed the episode. And Hannah's busy chuckling away to herself, obviously keen to do that episode on cats. For those of you who are listening, Joe was kind enough to send me a link to the 
Pathfinder system reference document online which has the animal lord template into it and it's pretty much as he described but it's really interesting it's one of the things um, we talked about when we're doing our catalog episode as I was saying it's a shame there's not some sort of baseline template mm -hmm. or like creature you can use to adapt so I think that's really handy I'm not sure how applicable it is for me playing earlier versions of D&D so obviously Pathfinder is more like 3 but 5 I'm sure you can adapt it though it's D&D, isn't it? It's six stats and a D20. You, you just take what you need from the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, thanks very much, Joe. I'm glad you enjoyed the Cat Lord episode. And I'm sure at some point in the future, we will get around to doing an episode all about cats mm -hmm. in myth and legend. So, thank you to all of our wonderful callers today. We had... Randy from Biggus Geekus, of course, Goblin's Henchman, and last but by no means least, Joe from the Hindsightless podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, maybe tell us something you'd like to see in future on the podcast, tell us some of your gaming in-jokes or stories, or anything else you'd like to chat about, you can get in touch with us one of two ways. You can either leave us a voicemail message using the SpeakPipe website, there's a link in the description of this show, or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and whatever you're playing, have fun. Bye.